1: Radical idea. We'll cross the streams. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the streams was bad. Cross the streams. Hello once again everybody, welcome to Crossing Streams, your weekly television streaming podcast out of San Diego, California. Craig Elston back with you for episode number 120, and we have brought in the A-team to discuss the Q-team. Q into the storm is our subject matter, a bonus episode of Crossing Streams here this week as I welcome in my dear friends, our number one misinformation journalist misinformation bunking journalist that would be uh <laughs> brooke binkowski the number one misinformation spreading journalist is probably on fox news and john gennaro my podcast partner and dear friend i got the gang back together hi brooke hi john
0: hi right
1: <laughs> it is great to have you guys uh back here uh once again uh m- multiple appearances uh, for both of you of course on the podcast brooke uh you and i uh went in depth on the uh, netflix documentary a few months back uh, uh in t- what was that one the social network i believe is what that was what
0: yeah was that? wasn't that the one where i kind of got wasted because i don't remember much about it
1: <laughs> no that
2: was our casual friday oh, yeah, that was- <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah i yeah was- just-
0: that oh
1: I oh,
2: was yeah, just reminiscing about oh,
0: the other one.
2: I was just reminiscing <laughs> about you eating uh, chicken nuggets in the middle of the podcast last time because you got you. I think you took something and, and <laughs> made you just, eat chicken nuggets.
0: I, I, I didn't think. Okay, so uh, these edibles. Oh God, can I talk about this? Yeah. Okay, so edible, <laughs> Let me tell you about. It. Wait, it's it's. It's legal here. I can talk about it. Okay, so edibles, I have a real problem with them because they'll either kick in in like one hour or like six hours. And it's never anything in between. It's always either one hour or six hours. So if you say it's gonna, <laughs> it's kicking in. If you tell yourself, I've got six hours, it will inevitably kick in. 45
1: minutes later. Uh, Sorry about that. All good. Well, I imagine we'll have another fun conversation today. Um, (laughs) As as we talk about the six-part docuseries on HBO Max uh, and HBO Q into the storm. Uh, and then later this week, uh, Lady Lurie and I will be back with it with another kind of more traditional crossing streams, talking about some uh, shows that are full of laughs and giggles. Here we're talking about uh, a documentary. And uh, John, I'll start with you because you're the guy who told me originally a couple weeks ago, Hey, I'm watching this. You got to get in. This thing is wild. Uh, give me your impression first, John, in terms of cue into the storm, what it offers to the viewer.
2: Well, I I think I texted you originally when I was watching episode one and I texted you that like, wow, this documentary I thought was going to be really good is actually really bad (laughs) because I was like, why am I watching a documentary that's just about like these weirdos that are running 4chan and then switching to 8chan and fighting legally over. But there was just enough there and I, I am interested enough in the subject that I continued with episode two, episode three And each episode, I got a little bit more entangled, a little bit more interested, and it just kept going. And by the time it was, you know, I hit episode four, episode five, I was like dying for the conclusion of like, what did he find out? Like, what happened at the riots? Who's Q? Like, this thing promises so much in the way of concrete answers that it may or may not actually provide. Um, But I think that's probably what sucks in everybody is not just like, hey, we're talking about this topic, but the promise of like, we're going to figure out who Q is together. Um, and so in, in that way, it was a it was kind of a thrill ride. And it, it they did at the end at least propose their uh, the, the filmmakers best guess, I'll call it, uh, as to who Q is.
1: Correct. Now, Brooke, uh, you know, managing editor truth dot com, uh, you, you know, as we've mentioned on, on previous podcasts, whether it's pbs or cnn uh or snopes i mean you've you've been on this beat for a long time so you've been aware and following and tracking the QAnon phenomenon since probably the first drop back in 2017 what did you think in terms of how this documentary uh relays or or portrays the last few years how accurate did you think it was
0: Oh, I thought it was great. Um, I don't think it included everything because there's no way you can include everything. There's just been so much fuckery and just so much everything. I mean, we've been firehosed for since, I would say since 2014, now that I know what it looks like and what disinformation campaigns look like. Um, at that point, you know, in 2014, I didn't know that what firehosing was. I didn't have a vocabulary for it. Fi- firehosing is um, in the disinformation sense of the word. It's being sprayed with like a firehose of, of bullshit and lies and half-truths. And, and, and weaponized narratives and things that just like hit you so fast and so hard that you you can't really remember, like you, you lose track of things, your priorities get messed up. It's a Kremlin, um, directly a Kremlin, uh, you know, activity and technique. Obviously, it's not just used by the Kremlin, but um, it's really effective because man, my, my memory uh, was never great. Um, anyway, as a, as, as a journalist, or anything, I, I write everything down and it is just, it's plummeted, it's bad. And that's not just because of the edibles, it's because of the fire hosing. <laughs> but, uh, because of that, because of all of that fire hosing, it made it really difficult to sort of pin down any solid narrative at that time. When, when these, these Q drops first started to appear, I was like, yeah, whatever, it's Pizzagate. I mean, it is Pizzagate, right? It's Pizzagate plus plus. Um, and, and because of, again, also because of the fire hosing, you, it's really hard to to kind of like fit any number of, of things into one documentary we're going to see a ton uh, one of the things that I was really worried about before I watched this documentary was that it was going to be some I don't know just bullshit like there's there's a lot of people right now who are congregating around the, the topic of QAnon, QAnon trying to it seems they're trying to make their career as anti-disinformation researchers you know using QAnon as a vehicle for it so I mean there's so many things around this what QAnon is and what it does um and there's so many people working at cross purposes even within the disinformation community there's all these arguments and drama it's so annoying like there's so much fucking infighting but the point of all this is so you'll you'll talk to like if you talk to like 10 disinformation researchers you'll probably have like five of them going I can't believe how fucking stupid this fucking documentary is it's just terrible I know mean, was just misleading and then you'll have like three people who are like no this is the best documentary in the world then you'll have like two people uh both of them are me <laughs> <laughs> going like oh this is fucking great there was a ton that got left out but that's just kind of how it is you know and i also didn't have any expectations other than i was really hoping it wouldn't be some glamorizing bullshit and it wasn't i i didn't think that it glamorized anything about these creeps at all which i really like as well
1: yeah so i guess my first take from it is is and and something for the audience as well if you haven't watched uh this documentary cue into the storm uh the the man behind it Uh, comes from and and talks about this in the beginning of episode one really comes from uh, a space of uh, internet privacy concerns and uh, trying to look out for, for uh, freedom of speech online. And as such, he kind of, he didn't come at it as adversarially uh, maybe in the very beginning to QAnon as anyone would at this time. Uh, And as such, I really did appreciate the access uh, that was given to Cullen Hoback, the the director and and uh, you know really the the man who was behind the the documentary for three years, you know he he got into the opportunity to meet these characters that we'll talk about in, in greater depth. Uh, obviously, as as the podcast continues, you know Ron and Jim Watkins, Fred Brennan, the people behind Eight Chan, true believers, uh, politicians. Uh, Jerks like Jack Presobiak, you know uh, all of these folks who would generally probably not agree to be on an hBO documentary like this, but because it came from a guy who was coming from the standpoint of well let's let's see if this is good or bad, like really kind of a neutral place uh, i I really appreciated that access. I also thought it changed the documentary in a way that occasionally the documentary suffered for it, uh, in particular how which I I think I'll come back to multiple times, guys, how I felt like there was one documentary for kind of five and a half hours. And then there was a half an hour of holy shit, January 6th happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good assessment of it. And I'm sorry if I'm, uh, am I, am I just talking over? Oh No, go
1: ahead. Go ahead. Okay.
0: So yeah. Okay. So, so from my perspective, so I, I, As you know, um, I got into uh, debunking disinformation, um, you know, as a, as a profession, as opposed to like being an annoying corrector all the time, (laughs) Um, but I became an official debunker in 2015. That was when I first started, uh, when I first got hired at Snopes, which I now call the bad place because I don't work there anymore. Um, And uh, you know, I I haven't had anything to drink today, so I won't rant about Snopes, (laughs) but um it was it was where I first realized like oh wow we have a really bad problem developing like at first I thought it was just like normal you know political crap you know the usual stuff in 2015 and then in, by 20, 2016 I was just like we are so fucked oh my god so of course I've been monitoring and looking I'm watching and debunking and doing all the things that I do since 20 November 2015 which is when I really started full-time and um it all very obviously pointed to something, right? There was something, there was some goal. And uh, it was clear that there was some kind of goal. Like all of these disinformation campaigns were coordinated and they were working towards something. So like we knew what it was and we're just like, okay, it's not gonna be good for democracy. We know that. Uh, it's not going to be this. It's not going to be something that like, we're all going to join hands at the end of this disinformation campaign or these disinformation campaigns. to be like, oh, kumbaya, it'll be great. Um, so by the time I figured it out, I was like, oh, shit. Um, I think it was probably 2018, I think is when I was like, oh, they're plotting a fucking attack because I started seeing the storm is coming. From the QAnon people, which, by the way, in 2020, when I, uh, I the, the moment I knew that there was going to be an attack planned around the election was uh, when Alan West, who is the, the GOP, uh, state Texas, GOP right? Leader, Texas, yeah. yeah, when Alan West stopped saying the storm is coming because he really picked up the QAnon, you know, lingo enthusiastically and early and um all of a sudden he started saying we are the storm and i was like oh that's what it is oh my god the accelerationists are talking about you know electric uh, civil war two electric boogaloo and the boogaloo boys you know obviously came out of that uh, we've got like the the anti-blm racist like the garden variety racist going you need a civil war in this country you've got the fucking uh you know lunatic q people going we are the storm you've got um the white supremacists, like, not just the garden variety racists, but the, like, Peckerwoods out in East County, you know, they're, like, saying, don't tread on me! The usual crap that those fucking morons say. And, um, you know, everybody's, like, stirring shit up. And looking. Look, it looks like they're all converging together. All these disparate separate groups. The anti-maskers, the anti-vaxxers, like, all the They're converging on something. It's congealing. Like it's coagulating. (laughs) And I'm like, what is it coagulating into? And then they start start talking about going to the Capitol. And again, this is all in like September, 2020 was when I was like, oh, fuck this is what they're going to do. They're going to, this is what's going to happen. And I'm thinking there's no way Trump's going to leave office anyways, unless it's like kicking and screaming with the white house burning down behind him. Right. So anyway, all this stuff's happening. I'm like, they're planning an attack on the Capitol. They're planning an attack against the historic seat of American style democracy. And it's being done at the behest of all sorts of of hostile entities. Um, So that's when I really started freaking out, but it was still, so August September 2020 was when I was like, ah, guys, red alert, red alert. And I mean, you can look at my Twitter feed and see because I'm on Twitter all the time because I feel like, you know, it's really urgent and that's where all the journalists are. So I'm like, all right, guys, steal my stories because you're there. Anyway. um, So yeah, it was obvious that something was being planned. It was obvious that something was going to happen. And so I have always wanted to know what what it was like on the inside, like all this planning stuff and this documentary offered it. Um, And they were remarkably open about what they were planning and plotting with him which yeah. I, I was stunned by I, I also felt the same way that you did by the way I was like if this hadn't been a white dude who was talking about like internet privacy and like all other like libertarian friendly stuff imagine my freaking you know crazy eyes yeah like,
1: no chance
0: <laughs> the second fucking Ron Watkins started in on me I'd be like I'm gonna fucking kill you I'm gonna kill you <laughs> or something similar you know like when he said, "Do you remember the part when uh, Ron Watkins was like talking about the sun? The sun yeah. was talking about 1488 and like explaining what 88 was and 14." I'm like, first of all, I would I would just get out of the car on the freeway right there. I would just like open the door and like roll out, right? <laughs> just like fuck oh, you! I get fucking stuck in a car with somebody talking like manslating Nazi symbolism to me. That's like every nightmare I had. Well, almost every nightmare. There, there was no like, you know. windowless room but still <laughs> um anyway i'm sorry I, I i know i'm all over the place but i yeah this, this documentary is it was it was a very fun and enraging watch about a very serious topic
2: so yeah. Go ahead, what, John. what i found was interesting um and this is it's not going to be the opposite of what brooke said but almost uh what i thought was interesting and why it was obvious that he was so kind of ill-prepared for what happened on january 6th was that I went into this thinking he's going to explain the QAnon uh, philosophy, right? He's going to explain to me what the, what QAnon means to people. Because if you hear people talking about it, even people he interviews, they, they have a very like, oh, it, it means this and it means this and it means this. So I figured that the only reason I didn't understand the, let's call it the religion of Q and everything that that falls under that umbrella was because I wasn't paying attention. And he kind of right up front dispels that notion. And he's like, the reason that you don't really know what's going on with QAnon is that none of it makes sense. Right. Um, I didn't understand that there was like a couple hundred Q drops a day or whatever the hell it was. Like that was the fire hose part that I didn't understand. I was like, how are people getting anything from this? If there's just like, tons of messages every day getting pushed out by the same anonymous person um and so it's it's obvious right up front he goes like everything that q is saying is bullshit there's no proof that any of it is true um so we're gonna mostly skip past that and only deal with things that might lead us towards the ultimate goal which is figuring out who is doing this and then once january 6th happened he was like Oh crap, I need to go back a little bit and explain that it's more than just figuring out who's doing this, it's who's believing this and why they're believing it. Because, and this was like a really crucial point that I think he hit on once or twice, but he should have hit on more, which is January 6th happened not because Q told people to do it, but because Q told people it would happen. And that gave all of the Q believers an opportunity to try and make something Q predicted come true. And like when he was talking about January 6th, he's like, all of these people were doing this because if they could prove that his prediction came true, then they could argue that everything else he's saying is also true. And yeah. so he, he never had to tell people to do anything. He had to tell people this is what's going to happen, and give them the opportunity to prove him right, which is just nuts, but is also like perfectly crafted manipulation. Yeah, that,
1: that's yes. a, yeah, yeah. It's a great point, John. Go ahead, Brooke.
0: No, no, that's it's totally. You're totally right. That's uh, I completely agree with you, and I. I realize that maybe that doesn't, it doesn't seem like I totally agree with you from what I said, but I swear to you, I do. I mean, um, the thing is, uh, when, it, when it comes to discussing QAnon, um, well, just weaponized conspiracy theories in general, um, I become extru- extraordinarily frustrated with um, the way people approach it because in QAnon was, was, was the same. So one of the reasons I resisted watching this documentary was because it was, because I thought it was about the, the search for who QAnon is. I, I don't give a shit. I don't fucking care who QAnon is. I care about who falls for it. Like you pointed out, John, it's like, I, I care about who falls for it, why they fall for it. But most importantly, I care about what that entity behind it is trying to get them to do. And because it's by nature public, and because it's by nature, like outward facing, you can see what their plans are before they do it. You can see what they're working up to. Um, I, I wish I'd been better about the date because after, you know, November 3rd, I was like, okay, cool. And then December, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then January 1st hit, hit and I was like, we're in a new year, nothing's gonna happen now. And then five <laughs> days later, I was like, fuck. But yeah, I mean, this, this kind of stuff is, uh, it, it's difficult to predict. So he probably knew something was gonna happen. Uh, but anyway, the, the point is, God damn it! I am all over the place. <laughs> when I hear myself talk, I'm like, Jesus Christ, stay on topic. But the thing is, this QAnon shit, it's really hard to stay on topic because it's all interconnected. It's all just one like seething sort of blob of conspiracy theory, you know, restive narrative. And um, everybody's sort of approaching it. I always think of this analogy, there's this story called the five blind men and the elephant. Do you know this, this old analogy where these Blind man. It, was on
1: in a, it was in a, a, another, uh, the, in fact, the last time John was uh, a co-host on Crossing Streams, we talked about one of my absolute favorite uh, pieces of art uh, so far visually of 2020, which is In and of Itself by Derek DelGadio. Uh, and in that wonderful, which you should absolutely watch, Brooke, uh, a separate recommendation, In and of Itself on Hulu. Uh, but he describes and it's a one-man show uh from new york that's been turned into a, a uh a, a film so to speak um but he describes that the fight right so you know one man is, is every each one of the five men don't know what they're touching because they're all touching different parts of the elephant and only right. the elephant knows that he's getting <laughs> mobbed by five blind dudes
0: <laughs> but, but- But there's, there's also uh, another meaning to this story that I, that I really liked. And I, I find, I bring it up and think about it over and over again in terms of, you know, how disinformation works. Like every single one of them was right. You know, every single one of them said afterwards, according to this analogy, according to this story, this apocryphal story, you know, one said an elephant is like a rope because he grabbed the tail. One said the elephant's like a fan because he touched the ear. One said the elephant is like a tree trunk because he stumbled and, you know, fell into uh, its leg. Another one said an elephant's like a wall because it, you know, he uh, felt its side. And then the final one said that the elephant was like a finger and a thumb, right? Because he touched his trunk. So they're all right. That's, this is true. They take parts of the whole. um, But even if you put all those disparate parts together, you wouldn't get an actual elephant. So you have to, you know, so it's a great example of how disinformation works because everybody's right, but kind of, you know, they're they're all right. They're all totally right, but the the total picture they're putting together is, is absolutely wrong. And so when when I hear researchers talking about QAnon, like they they go, well, QAnon's a religion. Well, QAnon's a cult. Well, QAnon is is this. QAnon is that. And it's like you're, you're just you've got parts of the elephant, man. It's a weaponized narrative with plenty of purposes, not just one purpose. You know, it's it's there to get people to do things you know it's it's there to manipulate crowd behavior does it really matter who the fuck's behind it yeah i mean yes it does matter but it doesn't matter right now what matters is short-circuiting that process and getting but, people but, to stop calling for it
2: but i think a really important thing here um, is if they can prove like if, if i for i already forget the guy's name but if the documentary guy can prove that QAnon is this like weirdo kid in japan who you know grew up in the philippines and has uh, no access to trump and is not a high-ranking government official it ruins the the q narrative completely and then people you know stop trusting it in the same way they trusted it before hopefully so i think by unveiling q it's like the the wizard of oz right if you reveal the man behind the curtain the wizard seems a lot less powerful than he was before and i think that was kind of the goal
1: yeah I I I'm with you on what you were just saying there John because uh and I think that's the Colin Hoback the, the name of the director he he makes this point at the beginning and then again at the end of the documentary saying basically if I can demythologize this then right. it's 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 you know it's making it less powerful it's it's unplugging the power from it and therefore there is some worth to actually you know the forensic uh, goal of the documentary, so to speak, which is really showing all the different ways in which they do, he does believe Ron Watkins is the person who has been right at least since early 2018, has been writing all of the so-called you know, Q drops. And, and I think just the biggest part of that, Brooke, is, is taking away the number one block from the QAnon Jenga tower, which is that Q is a high-ranking government official you know, or was a high-ranking government official right next to Donald Trump? Someone who's on Air Force One, someone who's in the Situation Room, someone's in the Oval Office, and he—he he, undoubtedly he uh, is the person who is you know feeding all of this information out to the people that that aura of authenticity this is a government official this is someone on the inside you know when you find out no it's a dude in his server farm as john said you know sitting in in an apartment in japan and previous to that in manila well all of a sudden now it's a completely different story right it's the story of more of what you were saying how did somebody kind of just doing something to build traffic and notoriety to convert that into an attempt to topple our democratic system of government.
0: Well, I would say that anybody who thinks that revealing the truth of who's behind a weaponized conspiracy theory will convince people who buy into that weaponized conspiracy theory to not follow it anymore. Anybody who thinks that's effective, sadly has not had the years of disappointing results I've had and debunking shit and going look here's the truth here's the truth and then people are just like fuck you I'm gonna believe whatever I want anyway and that part is very frustrating that's that's kind of why I'm like you know it doesn't on on one level on the level that I operate on I understand why it's important okay so I I do understand I'm, I'm trying to like make the distinction between how I feel personally and what frustrates me personally and what I know is important like You know, so what's not, what's important to me is not like who's behind it, but I can see why that's important. That's important for prosecution purposes, identification purposes, but one thing that it won't be good for is debunking purposes. It just, people... Will believe whatever the fuck they want. The people who buy into this, by the way, are so accustomed to mystical thinking at this point. They've been carefully like led down this garden path for, for years now. So um, it would most likely, although you know, it's there's a lot of attrition right now. So I, I think it, within you know a year or two, people won't even admit that they ever bought into QAnon to begin with. Um, but right now, the people who are really like just wedged in are probably saying things you know, increasingly, well, I know that they're saying increasingly weird shit because I watch them, but like the stuff that they're saying is like, oh, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who said it because God chose Trump and Trump chose Q. Therefore God chose Q. Q is the vessel of the heavenly messages that God is giving to Trump. So it's, it's like that. Like it is, it's like they, you know, it's like people who haven't slept in three weeks type, type, Types now. Well, I mean, all kind of ones. Really, you you saw him in that documentary.
1: I was just going to say. I think all three of the guys that are the the primary subjects of this documentary uh, fit your description. T- to wit, uh, John, when when we talk about our three main characters, Ron Watkins, Jim Watkins, Fred Brennan, uh, who who was the most uncomfortable for you uh, to be watching on the screen? I have I have a definite answer, but I'm curious as to yours.
2: Okay, so um, first. Uh, just so that you know, I'm a normal person. All three of them were uncomfortable for me to <laughs> watch. Um, Fred uh, was obviously like pushing some sort of agenda and trying to use the documentary to make himself look like the hero. And all of this—that's fine. That's that. That shows that he probably has a little bit more intelligence than the other two guys. Um, the answer after like three and a half, maybe even four episodes would have been Jim Watkins. Um, I was enamored by his facial hair uh, mm-hmm. and, and how it just kept changing into weirder and weirder things. Um, he was the strangest person. He said the strangest things. Um, I, I feel like I can usually get a pretty good handle on on people and and uh, who they are and, and what my expectations of them are, whether they're like normal or dangerous. And I got no read on him whatsoever. He was the, one of the weirdest really? people ever. And, and I thought I understood Ron until there was one scene where I was like, it's over. Ron is the weirdest one. I'm completely uncomfortable around Ron, who, by the way, is the least Ron-looking person I've ever seen in yeah, my does life. Does not look like a Ron. It's, it's well, a, totally the wrong name our, for him. But
0: So this is all I could think. I'm sorry. I'm going to derail real quick no, and then come back to it. Yeah. Whose word are we going by that Ron is Jim's son? Like that's
2: that's that, really that, that was a question that I wanted to ask at some point. But yeah, the scene where I was like Ron started freaking me out was when Ron was like, "Let's go out in the middle of a field in like with a zero, zero degrees with a hammer, so that I can sing some opera for yeah. you." Oh, that was <laughs> what the fuck was that? And like, and they never actually showed him like they, you never heard him singing you just saw him doing weird shit with like the the steam coming off him because it was so cold that was so fucking weird and i'm sure it was like edited to seem even weirder but that was like that was obviously stuck in there to be like hey in case you didn't think ron was crazy enough to do this look at this shit yeah. And that's when I was like Oh, this guy is nuts Completely nuts To the point where like 20 minutes later When they referenced the fact That he had a wife I was like, what? Like Right I, th- I feel like if you, you You reach a certain level of nuts That like you don't With lucky landslots You can get lucky Just about anywhere Dearly beloved We are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry We're here We were getting lucky in the limo And we lost track of time <gasps>
1: That's chumbacasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Get married? But I'm sure his wife is nuts too. Um, not, to, not to disparage anyone that I don't know and, and literally have no knowledge of whatsoever. But that, that scene in particular with the opera singing in the middle of the cold field um, made the, the winner Ron Watkins for me.
1: Yeah, I, I think the combination of that one and him climbing to the top of a mountain with a big wood, wooden mallet
0: the, and, the hammer. Yeah. yeah sorry, s- the hammer part. Swinging
1: it over and over as a drone shot is, is soaring. And like, you just know that there was like a 20 minute period where he just kept doing that with the hammer as the drone flew back and forth and back and forth to get the best shot. I, I, I feel Brooke, like in all of that, this kind of leads back to Cullen Hullback's Who Is Q? And, you know, whether that was too much of the documentary, I, I think we maybe all agree it's at least a little too much uh, of the documentary. But I felt like he really wanted to enforce slowly over the course of six episodes the hero and God complex parts of Ron's personality uh, and, and the ways that he saw himself as a messianic figure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's a pretty um, good way of putting it. Um, but one of the things that I, I just can't stop thinking about is, um, and this is this is kind of getting my own personal history because you know, um, remember? Do you remember like back in the day at Kogo, I was like the only person who knew anything at all about computers. Do you remember that? Yeah, and I do like I had that. to train the newsroom how to use AOL and shit like that. Okay.
1: <laughs> when I remember the people who were in that newsroom, it really oh, yeah, does make I mean, a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of rough. I was 18, and I was like, "You, you don't know how you don't." America Online, you don't. Okay, but you know they figured it out. <laughs> but I was also for a long time. I was very, you know, I mean, obviously very into computers, and um, not into computers per se. I was into what is now called social networks. Right, I was right. into that old world, um, and. I first got online, like into that world in the eighties. And so I was like 10, 11, I think maybe 11. So it was 87 or 88. My mom like parked, she got a computer because she went back to school and she got like a bunch of student loans. She got this computer that was like, you know, this huge thing. Cause it was 1988 or 89. And she like sat it down in the middle of the living room. Nobody knew what to do with it. Me, my brother and her, cause that was it. And we're just like looking at it. And then at some point at, around that same time, Um, I was reading Computer Edge and discovered that you could use your computer to talk to people if you plugged it in and set it up a certain way. And I was like, I'll do this. So I figured it out and like started talking to people. And like, so I was 11 and that deeply affected, profoundly affected the the direction of my life, but in ways that I didn't realize ever were going to be important. And um, so I got very much into these early online worlds, which means my friends were all hackers and, you know, white hat hackers, gray hat, black hat mostly mostly white hat and gray hat but some of them went black hat uh but they all some of them also this is san diego san diego was a burgeoning uh tech region at that point this is again 80s and 90s um and um the whole point of all of this is i know exactly who these fuckers are i grew up with them i in fact i'm one degree of separation removed from every single one of them every single person in that movie Even if I'd never worked at Snopes, even if I'd never been a debunker, even if I'd never done anything, I would still know exactly who these motherfuckers are. I know that, unfortunately, I know people who went from San Diego to work in Japanese porn because they saw that there was a market for um, American hosted Japanese porn. They made a fortune. They hate women, they're disgusting human beings, but they are rich as fuck. And so I literally am one degree removed. and so I can tell you that I know this world. I know the 4chan world. I know the 8chan world. I know the 8kun world uh, better than I'd like because that's my world, because these are my people.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> Sad cabinet to be in. But...
0: I know, I know. But um, I mean, there's there's good things that come with it too. But like, like I see myself in this, this sort of, oops, sorry, my battery's going on. I'm gonna have to plug it in a second. I see myself in this sort of like, like, I'm I'm I grew up in the same world that they did. I know who they are. I, I fucking told. I trained some of these assholes how to troll, like back in the early '90s. And I mean, like the not the weaponized shit that happened now, but like the social experiments. Like I was one of those assholes, which is how I know how to fight it now. Anyway, my point is, I know the misogynistic piece of shit, like porn guy who you know may or may not be hosting child porn on his servers, but right. I mean, you know. Um, and uh, I also know from my other work, my border work, um, the kinds of white Anglos, white Anglo-Americans rather, who go park themselves in a country where they can live, you know, really well on um, on the dollar and uh, take advantage of the locals. You know, there's, there's a, a whole class of white males, white tech dudes, and women to a certain degree, but mostly white tech men who will go like you know, park themselves in a country where they're surrounded by people who aren't white, which means, you know, because they're colonized countries. It's like the next wave of colonization, right? They go to these colonized countries, they go to like to the Philippines or to Brazil or to Mexico or, you know, to Venezuela, although not so much Venezuela anymore, I guess, places like that. And they live in these little enclaves. I call them expats, but in a mean way, like expats. (laughs) Um, They live in these gated communities where they only see, you know, other Anglo white people except for, you know, the locals who they, you take advantage of or like fuck over or rape or kill or hurt. Um, so I there's a trope, there's a type and uh, the Jim Watkinses of the world fit comfortably in those sorts of tropes. So I was yeah. not surprised. I, I felt incredibly, I was incredibly disturbed by uh, the Watkinses. Uh, I know Brennan a little bit, I've talked to him online. Um, and he's, yeah, I, I think he's definitely the smartest one of the bunch. Um, it's, it's not difficult to figure out how to do porn and be a fucking, you know, a shitlord online. I mean, I know a lot of dumb dums who know how to do exactly that. Um, but uh, I, I, I I mean, I know these people well, and I know enough to be made uncomfortable by the, the Watkinses, Watkinses? Uh, but Jim Watkins, most of all, I thought that he just, dude, that guy's got dead fucking eyes. Oh like, my
1: God. Thank you I've for seeing that. Yes. Yeah.
0: Just dead eyes. Like there's he, yeah. nobody home. Nobody. It, that man has done bad things.
1: So, bad. you know, right. Fred, Fred Brennan to me is like almost like exactly what I would anticipate finding on right. the, on the back end uh, of, of a website like that. You know, somebody who, needed that technology to advance socially in his life because of his situation, you know, a horrible, uh, condition that, you know, leaves his body disfigured, but, uh, you know, online he can be whoever he wants to be. So you, you just completely understand that how he is smart, but can also be dumb and kind of be misled through things. Uh, and he has a crisis of conscience that I think he massively overplays, Uh, In the documentary, because really, he's more of kind of like a Mick Mulvaney style of amoral manager saying, no, I was telling them, take down the Nazi board for two weeks after the shootings, because that way people won't see when they are doing high five lines celebrating, you know, mass killings and and, and race killings and whatnot. You know, he's not saying I'm against this. He's saying they didn't do the right things to allow the website to continue with these horrible events happening. They could have managed it better is really his. Now he goes from that to being a zealot, trying to take down eight Chan and, you know, filing lawsuits and going after servers and everything, but really, right. That's it.
0: All of this, all of this shit is the exact hacker drama. I grew up with all these fucking hackers, white hat, gray hat, black hat always have fucking drama it's always high drama too it's always like like this it's like this it's a bunch of nerds with grudges who won't stop at anything to destroy the people they hate i know this because i've got it too but i try to operate in the in the light instead of in the shadows because i have these tendencies as well if somebody pisses me off like the fucking nazis have i'm not gonna rest you've seen how obsessive i get (laughs) so i get it like if if i didn't if If I had created a site like 8chan um, and I considered it my baby, which I I wouldn't because, you know, whatever, all this shit's more trouble than it's worth. (laughs) The internet was a mistake. Um, But if if I had done that, I I would probably be pissed off as well. I mean, but I yeah no I could see a situation in which I would like go out of my way to destroy the lives of the people who would upset me um you know and taken my side away from me yeah I could I think it's justifiable I mean I also don't think he's telling all the details and telling all his motivations and don't think it fucking didn't get by or don't think it got by me that you know Brennan like asks the reporter or documentarian to help him get out of the Philippines even though it turns out he can just move in with his mom, like he could have called his mom right. all along. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, like, he's you know his ulterior motives are are obvious and present as well. I don't know what they are, but he still seems like the the best one out of that that gruesome bunch.
1: That <laughs> gruesome bunch, and you know, John, I, I I think you're right about Ron Watkins, but just kind of echoing some of what Brooke was talking about, Jim Watkins, there there were aspects of him that just were so. Uh, I don't know what the right word is to me, but insidious in terms of he's the one. Oh, well, I, I don't follow this stuff. Yeah, I, right. I, I, I don't I don't follow this. closely. I'm not a
0: political person.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not. I, actually, I'm not political. I don't even look really. I, I I don't even check these things. And then he's the one holding up, you know, his phone at one six twenty one outside going, "Woo, this is great. Let's take a picture. I mean, you know, I mean, John, he was an ideologue from day one, but he's also just uh, he's subversive and manipulative and he's trying to manipulate Hoback every single interview
2: Agreed, agreed I- I'll probably never get like the image out of my mind of him just standing at his pig farm, not moving just standing <laughs> there the like it's a picture um, that was really oh. strange the least weird person who, like, he was so normal that it made me confused as to how he ended up anywhere near this situation was that Tom Rydell character. Yeah, the engineer guy. He came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, he was just, like, a major part of things, and he's, like, the deal broker between Fred and Jim, and he he seemed like a totally normal guy every time he was on screen. I was like, what are you doing here? (laughs) He was a fellow traveler, though. He
1: was happy to go along to get along with all of
2: that. He stuff. was definitely weird because he was hanging out with weird people and doing things for weird people, but like he presented as normal, which was maybe even, even more terrifying. So Brooke, uh, since January
1: 6th, somewhat since November 3rd, but certainly since January 6th, there's been a massive attempt by the major platforms to de-platform QAnon, whether it's YouTube taking down. Has there, has there? Well, there's been some for sure. I, has it been, has it been effective? I guess that's why I'm, that's why I'm asking the, I'm trying to set up to ask the question. Oh, sorry. To, to, <laughs> no, but just in, in terms of like, is this working? What is happening right now with QAnon? Because whether those YouTube channels or Twitter accounts have been taken out, has that voice disappeared? No. Um.
0: And by the way, I have a conspiracy theory, uh, which I should, I'll, I'll hold off on that but it's it's you know it's about QAnon. um plus like you can't work in conspiracy theories without growing your own conspiracy theories i now have my own like artisan artisanal artisanal god damn it, it <laughs> fucking blew my own punchline anyway all right artisanal. Yeah. but yes that <laughs> i can't pronounce it artisanal and juror is another one i can't pronounce rural juror artisanal okay i'm done um so well, I, I mean, I'm sure anybody who talks to me for longer than five minutes knows I fucking hate Facebook. Like Facebook pisses me off. I don't hate the platform. I think, well, I mean, I, I, I kind of hate the platform. Um, I hate the company. I hate the, the hires up. Um, they say they do a lot of stuff, but really, did you see these stories? Like in the lead up to, to the six, Facebook wasn't just allowing those groups to thrive. It was automatically using AI to create new white supremacist groups that people were then joining and then joining those groups together. Like this was all deliberate. Right. So um, YouTube YouTube needs to YouTube needs a fucking enema. YouTube needs one of those bleach enemas that the conspiracy theorists are always putting videos of on YouTube. <laughs> By the way, don't do that. It's very bad. It will kill you. Um,
1: I wasn't but, planning on it. Appreciate that tip. Uh,
0: <laughs> this is the thing. Bleach enemas and peroxide enemas you're welcome <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's still out there I, I i guess they've improved the algorithms a little bit because i went and looked for videos on like you know i'm all about lately i've been all about like with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just
2: about anywhere
1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Trying to dress like an adult because I'm goddamn 40 something now and I'm trying to be a grown up. So I read these style blogs, which don't help because everybody seems to think that women over 40 should wear pink ruffles, which I will not wear. Anyway, okay. um, so I watch these videos from time to time and they're not recommending Nazi content to me now within two clicks. So that's kind of nice, that progress. Um, Facebook, I spend time, like maybe five minutes on there every few days um, because I actually need it for work. Um, but I make my coworkers like do all the research on there, like to see what rumors are on uh, Facebook. Yeah. I make them do it, but I'll put stories up on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, so I, I don't dislike Facebook. I think that it, in terms of infrastructure, backbone, ease of use, you know, it's it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. Um, but I also think that Facebook. Deliberately leaned into destructive, weaponized narratives to make money, and I think that YouTube followed suit. Although I'm not as pissed off at them as I am at Facebook because Facebook like went out of their way to make my life hell. They put out a press release about me, um, and uh, they, you know, they they've had years of opportunities. They've had years of people like me directly warning them, Facebook, that it was all going to end up in something like this, and they were like, instead, they smeared me publicly. They got, well, they, they just did a lot of stuff to me that was not good. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, so I'm very pissed off them. But YouTube is, is is not good either, although their algorithms are slightly improving. Twitter has been a smidge more proactive and then every, everything is just still kind of a cesspool though. Um, I will believe it when I see it, right? or see it because I'm still seeing QAnon groups. We the 78 million is still a very active Trump group, pro-Trump group. They're still, and they're just swapping racist bullshit. They're, they're, you know, right now at this moment today, they're like, I'm gonna kill all the people and take them in my cold dead hands. You know, the usual bullshit. Um, The usual violent fantasizing and whining, although they're not plotting anything anymore, which is nice, but I mean, it's still there. It's still on Facebook, it's still happening. They're all still algorithmically connected chatting with each other plotting with each other you know it's it's still happening um so i I mean they're not actively plotting to overthrow the government anymore because uh they seem to have lost a lot of momentum that's what what happens when all your organizers start getting arrested by the fbi (laughs) Uh, but um you know maybe they made all those plans in public facebook groups so that reporters like me wouldn't take screen grabs of everything and put them up places that the fbi might find them
1: Well, you know, John, one of the things, no, not at all, but just to kind of start to wind this down, uh, one of the things I thought John happened over the course and, and Q into the storm documented this, especially in episode six, like my one, like TV side, this is crossing streams, TV side critique of into the storm is that 100% Hoback got to the editing bay and then January 6th happened. And he had to completely redo the final episode of his documentary because things just massively accelerate in episode six through 2020 into 2021. They should have done an entire episode on what I'm about to discuss, which is how the Trump administration started to actively take the stuff off of the cue boards and just put it out and put it out through Twitter and, and adopt it and talk about it at rallies and mainstream it, you know, uh, put, put it out there, put it right into the, into the middle of the mainstream. And so John, what we have now is we have a situation where the fascists have come out to play and everyone has seen them and everyone has seen them do their thing. So uh, on one side, it's bad because the fascists are right out there in the open. I mean, heck T- Tucker Carlson said it on Fox last month. He's like, listen, the next time we're probably just going to elect a fascist because look what you made us do, you know, but the, the flip of that is everyone saw the fascists come out to play and that allows this to be approached a little bit differently than it was before. <laughs> Mr. Gennaro, any thoughts?
2: Um, I agree. And, and obviously if it, if it wasn't for how did I put this last night? We talked about this briefly last night. If it wasn't for all of those people literally storming their way into the Capitol, looking to kill or kidnap, you know, members of the house and and the Senate and everything wearing Q shirts and Q hats and having Q tattoos and everything. I don't know that I'm as interested in anything else in this documentary. And All of that really happened because those were Trump supporters that were looking for something more. And Trump realized that he could, you know, tap into the Q thing and be like, Oh, you're something more could be over there. These people can do it because this QAnon person or people have shown that they're basically loyal to me and willing to push my agenda and willing to push people towards our way of thinking. Um, I agree that, Probably more needed to be said about Trump being an amplifier for all of this, and Trump's team being an amplifier for all of this, and how that makes not just QAnon responsible for what happened on January 6, but Trump and his team responsible for what happened on January 6. Oh um, yeah, I I I agree with with all of that. I I will say uh, since I think we're we're wrapping up here soon. Yeah, I. Don't believe that Ron Watkins by himself is QAnon. My guess, and I'm going off, right. of, I'm going off a limited pool here, but my guess is that it is a combination of Ron Watkins and his uh, maybe biological father Jim um, working together. Uh, and Craig, you said this kind of right out of the box, but this is the world that I tend to live in. I think the main reason they did it was just to get traffic to their site. Like, I I don't actually believe they set out to do this to fundamentally change America. I think they were like, if we do this thing, it's going to become big. Everyone's going to come to our website. Eventually, that'll turn into money in our pockets. Um, That's my guess as to who's behind it and why they did it. And I think eventually it kind of spiraled out of control. They got a little excited about all the attention they were getting, so they decided to keep it going. And now, I don't think they really know what to do with themselves.
1: Excellent wrap up, my friend, um, Brooke. What what you got going on? what's What's going on? Where can people track everything that you're doing? Where can everyone keep up to date?
0: Ooh, okay. Um, oh, I can't tell you my conspiracy theory. Okay, no, bye. tell me your consp- Tell oh. me your conspiracy theory. Okay. Let me tell you my conspiracy theory and then I'll tell you all the rest of it. Uh, this right. Okay, the reason I'm bringing this up is because if it's true, uh, if it turns out to be true, and I, maybe I shouldn't even call it a conspiracy theory, it's just a theory. Um, but if it turns out to be true, I think it's very profound. Um, what I think happens, and why QAnon is so messy and, 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 and weird and makes no sense and has little to no internal consistency or logic um, from the outside you know, and relies on people sort of papering over the gaps between reality and what QAnon is saying. Um, My conspiracy theory or whatever about it is that um, it's because 4chan and then later 8chan and then 8kun, but mostly 4chan and 8chan were used as as, uh, sites that were early places to do A-B testing for disinformation messaging to see what stuck. And I think that perhaps, you know, whoever was behind it initially, because remember QAnon changed, uh, you know, picked up stakes and left perhaps after the contract expired. Um, and then uh, the Watkinses, who could, of course, see everything in the back end, decided, and, and of course, know what A B testing looks like, because that's kind of like a fundamental part of web advertising, polling, like all that. It's like this, uh, you know, you just offer a choice to people. Do they pick A or B? And then you refine it from there, right? So I think they were A, B testing messaging. And that means that the people who are participating in QAnon built QAnon themselves, which means, if true, uh, that this then isn't just a conspiracy theory, it's us, right? It's it's Americans, it's what the underbelly of American society truly is. It's what the conspiracy theorists tell themselves. It's the stories that they tell themselves in order to make sense of the world as they want it to be. And I think that that's very revelatory. And I think that that's also a roadmap to making the country actually a little bit less inclined to believe conspiracy theories. It's true, right? I mean, obviously, we're gonna have to do all this shit anyway. But I think that if we find out that it was created with A-B testing, it will provide a very important light on the national unconscious and what's wrong with us as a fucking society. Like the fact that, you know, there's a lot of people in this country who believe that Jewish people like to cook and eat babies. Um, I have never cooked nor eaten a baby. Of course, I'm only 25% Jewish, but you know, still. Have you ever
1: cooked or eaten 25% of a baby?
0: Never in my life. I've never even wanted to, not even when I was really hungry. I eat those little fuckers raw. <laughs> 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 no, no, just kidding. I'm sorry. No, wait. Just kidding. Just, just kidding. Wait. The joke. QAnon. Don't come. Have- no. Um. In all seriousness, I mean, that's all it is, right? It's just a warmed over. Like in the end, when you look at what it really is, it's just the protocols of the Elders of Zion and anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Warmed over with a few, you know, modern details added. So that's what our national collective unconscious is. It's fucking anti-Semitism. Great job, America. If that's true, it could just be, you know, bunch of opportunists and they got lucky with a the conspiracy theory. Anyway, okay. So how do you can find me? You can find yeah. me on Twitter all the time because that's where I sit all day long. Honestly, a lot of it is just trying to get my message out. Some of it is just trying to see what fuck's going on and what people are talking about. But some of it is just because I'm an internet person, so I'm always over there. Uh, Brooklyn Marie. And you can also check out my awesome site with my badass reporters. It's called truthorfiction.com. And we debunk whatever the rumors of the day are. We generally try to pick like a, an associated, a rumor associated with whatever the news story of the day is. So we can show how, you know, disinformation plays on, you know, different stories to push specific narratives. Um, So, you know, check us out because we are awesome. Also, we do stories about Disney because there's a lot of conspiracy theories about disney for some
2: reason (laughs) and john uh why don't you tell folks
1: where they can hear more of the
2: two of us well uh if you're listening to this podcast it's either on craig's podcast crossing streams or on our patreon uh that you can subscribe to at patreon.com slash padres hot tub you can subscribe to the padres hot tub podcast uh you can uh if you subscribe to patreon you also get our monday banter podcast you also get a recording of our thursday evening Live mailbag on Twitter spaces. Um, If you don't see us all over the place, you're probably not looking hard enough.
1: Correct. And once we get to the offseason, we'll be back to more casual Fridays, which means more Brooke invitations, more uh, liquor being tipped, uh, quite possibly live versions of this when we can all get to a bar together uh, in the fully vaccinated near future. So uh, lots of lots of exciting collaboration attempts uh, for this trio again in the future. Brooke, I always love when we get the chance uh, to, to bring you on. I know the roller coaster is going to be so much fun
0: thank you so much. It always is, you know, in the end. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I'm sorry I ramble and rant so much, but you know, I guess that's why you keep bringing me back because I ramble well,
1: and rant. Right. I mean, you know, at this point we know what's baked in. So if we're bringing you on, <laughs> you know, we, we, yeah. we understand what's to come. For Brooke Binkowski, for John <laughs> Gennaro, I'm Craig Elston, reminding you that this is a bonus episode of Crossing Stream. So coming up, as long I'm getting my second vaccine tomorrow, full disclosure, I'm getting my second vaccine tomorrow morning. I'm very much hoping that I'm going to feel wonderful. Uh, And if I feel horrible, then this will be the only Crossing Streams of the week. But if not, I'll be back with Liddy in a couple of days uh, as we talk about a couple of different shows, uh, The Serpent on Netflix, as well as Made for Love on HBO Max. So uh, until then, for John and for Brooke, I'm Craig. Thanks so much for subscribing and tuning in to Crossing Streams. Talk to you next time.